Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Secular Buddhism Podcast. This is episode number 123. I am your host, Noah Roschetta, and today I'm going to talk about the art of diving in. Keep in mind, you don't need to use what you learn from Buddhism to be a Buddhist. You can use it to learn to be a better whatever you already are. I have a couple of announcements before I jump into the podcast topic for the day. First of all, I have a new microphone and I'm really excited about it because the audio quality should be significantly better than it has been in the past, but it will also allow me to record faster because Previous to having this microphone, I would have to spend a lot of time after recording to clean up the audio, get rid of the echo sounds and a lot of things like that. And I'm hoping this will save me time, making it easier to record podcast episodes more frequently. So if you have any feedback or comments about the audio, uh, let me know. And the second announcement is about the mindful trekking expedition to Nepal. As some of you know, I did this last year with a group of 20 individuals who uh, we met up in Kathmandu in Nepal, and then we went and did uh, a 12-day trekking uh, mindfulness retreat of sorts and had a really good time. It was a really fun, uh, cool experience, and I'm doing that again. So this will take place November 6th through the 20th, and uh, the information for all of this can be found on mindfultrekking.com. So if this is something that you're interested in doing, Uh, take a look at that website where you can see the details, the dates, the cost, and all the information, the itinerary. I know this isn't uh, for everyone, but if you are in a position, in a place in life where you can afford the time and and the costs to go do something like this, it really is a fun, unique experience. So I would recommend you check that out because last time the spaces that were available filled up pretty quickly. So this will likely be the only time I mention it on the podcast. So check out mindfultrekking.com if you're interested in exploring that a little bit more. So now let's jump into the Zen koan that I shared from the last podcast episode. In early times in Japan, bamboo and paper lanterns were used with candles inside. A blind man visiting a friend one night was offered a lantern to carry home with him. I do not need a lantern, he said. Darkness or light is all the same to me. I know you do not need a lantern to find your way, his friend replied, but if you don't have one, someone else may run into you, so you must take it. The blind man started off with a lantern, and before he had walked very far, someone ran squarely into him. Look out where you are going, he exclaimed to the stranger. Can't you see this lantern? Your candle has burned out, brother, replied the stranger. Okay, so this is an interesting one. I want to share a couple of the comments from the Patreon group. Uh, A couple of individuals there had some comments regarding this specific koan, and I thought it would be fun to share these. So Shane said, The blind man reminds me of times in my life when I thought I had finally figured things out. He didn't need the lantern because he had life figured out. He reluctantly takes on this additional tool, the lantern, and sets out on his way, thinking all his bases are covered. Sometimes we can learn things and take on a self-righteous attitude. I wonder if this was his view. He eventually learns that he did not know all he thought he knew. Your candle has burned out, brother. Really resonated with me. 
thinking we know it all and have control is really exhausting. Maybe the reason the blind man was so grumpy with the one who ran into him was because he was burned out. So those were Shane's thoughts. I, I like some of the thoughts he extracted out of that. And I want to share some thoughts from another group member. Uh, Imre says, when I heard the koan, the first thing I asked myself was why the stranger ran into the blind man. Was it because the lamp was not lit anymore? Or was it maybe because the blind man was not as careful as he normally was when he did not have a lamp? If so, was the underlying reason actually that someone else had convinced the blind man to do things differently than he normally would? Maybe this koan is about the concept of dependent arising. The incident reminds the blind man that whatever he does has consequences. Things might not always turn out the way we want them or expect that they would go, but at the end of the day, we have to realize that things arise interdependently based on never-ending chain of causes. So I enjoy the thoughts shared by both Shane and by Imre. And I want to remind you as you listen to explanations, anybody's explanations, that the invitation of the koan is to uh, learn to understand a little bit more about yourself. When I listen to a koan, I'm thinking, what can I learn about myself? What does my interpretation of the koan tell me about me? So keep that in mind. We're not trying to listen to other people's explanations with the intent of analyzing, yeah, I think you're right, or no, I think you were off. That's, that's not the point of this. Um, but we can extract useful perspectives when someone else tells us their interpretation. It's like, oh, that's, yeah, that's interesting. I didn't think about this, or I didn't think about that. But don't approach it from the perspective of, oh, I think you're right, or your answer is more correct than what I had concluded. Uh, that's not the right way to approach these, in my opinion. So in the spirit of that, uh, to me, what this koan is about uh, is the concept of we're damned if we do and damned if we don't. It's like, it, it, to me, this is just how life works, right? It's like, hey, take this lantern because it's going to help so others can see you and maybe not run into you. So had he not taken the lantern, someone could have run into him because he didn't have a lantern for them to see. But he does take it, and then something else can go wrong. The lantern can go out, and someone still runs into him. Or it could have been that he was holding a lantern, and the other person was also holding a lantern, and they were both blind. Like, there are so many ways this could have unfolded. And to me, it's the reminder of no matter what you do, things can happen. It's like I can check the tire pressure of my cars before every trip I take or before uh, anytime I'm going to get in and drive and I could still drive somewhere and halfway through my tire goes flat. That can happen, right? Like we can do everything that we think we need to do to prevent certain things from happening. And those things can still happen. To me, that's what the, the koan is trying to do. It reminds me somewhat of the parable of the horse and the whole idea of who knows what is good and what is bad. And it equally reminds me of the analogy that life is a lot like a Tetris game and that we never know what shape is going to show up next. And that at the end of the day, we do our best to anticipate what we think is best. And then we do it, and we're like the blind man who still ends up run with someone running into us. And that's just the nature of life. There's no way to avoid the inevitable bumps that life has in store for us. And this koan for me is a reminder that I can do everything in my power to avoid those bumps and the bumps may still happen. So 
I know that I can work very hard every day of my life and I'll, I could still end up in a position where I'm struggling financially or I could follow all the advice of the best relationship books out there and I could still end up in a situation where my relationship is struggling or I can read all the proper parenting books with all the best parenting advice and I can still end up in a situation where I'm really struggling in my parenting. And that's the thing. Like we can cross all the T's, dot all the I's of, of the contract and still um, and, and still be surprised by the outcome at the end. And to me, this is the, the absurdity of the human condition, right? Is that it's both painfully heartbreaking and at the same time, it's an incredible experience. And at the same time, it's very laughable. It's like, it's all of it. And it's like, we're trying to avoid getting wet in the rain when the rainstorm comes. But once we do, we we're like, okay, well, now that I'm wet, now I can dance in the rain. And to me, that's what this koan is, is an invitation to look at, um, that I'm damned if I do, damned if I don't. So the question is, am I going to take that lantern and light it? Yeah, I guess I will, knowing that it might prevent someone from running into me, but it doesn't mean that it that it's going to guarantee that no one runs into me. And I think life works one way, and the idea I have about how life should work is another way. And as long as I remember that, then when I have that thought of, well, I think this is how it should be, I don't have to be so attached to it because I can remember well, that's just my idea. It doesn't mean that it's it's correct. And I cannot see the big picture because like the blind person, we're all blind to the big picture. We don't know what shape is going to show up next. So we try our best with the understanding that it's still damned if we do, damned if we don't. But I'm still going to try. That's what uh, that's how I see it. And I think we can start to really live life more fully when we understand this, that we're damned if we do, damned if we don't. Because once we're more comfortable with the discomforts that are inevitable in life, I think we can start to dance in the rain rather than just working so hard to avoid getting wet. And we can feel that, okay, life is painful, but pain isn't bad. It's just unpleasant. And, and we get a little bit more unattached to that idea that I have to avoid pain at all costs. So that's my interpretation. That's what the koan means to me. And I think it fits pretty well with the topic I wanted to discuss today uh, for the podcast, which is the art of diving in. And this is something that occurred to me in the last week or so. My, uh, my three-year-old, well, actually, she's four now. My four-year-old, she's learning to dive. And we have a swimming pool. And where we live, we have year-round swimming. Uh, it's nice and warm down here where we live in Mexico. So we have a swimming pool outside and she is starting to see all the other bigger kids. They don't just jump into the pool, they dive in and she wanted to she wants to learn to dive. So we were out there swimming and she says, "Daddy, teach me how to dive." And I was like, "Well, you just kind of dive in, right? I, I I described your arms go up and you put them together and then you point forward and you just jump in and I I kind of helped her do it a couple times and she was ready to just go for it. And the moment that she did it, she jumped and did the classic belly flop that, you know, someone does when they don't know how to dive. And all the uh, all the kids laughed and made that sound of, oh, but it didn't hurt her. And she got out. She's like, did I do it? Did I do it? 
It's like, well, you kind of did it. You did a belly flop. And she got up and she did it again and she did it again. And then the other kids started jumping in to do intentional belly flops because suddenly the belly flops were cool and everyone thought that was funny. And it had me thinking that this is kind of like life, right? The art of diving in. And with my daughter learning to uh, wanting to learn to dive, it's a it can be a painful process. But if you want to learn to do it, there's no other way to do it but to just dive in, to just start doing it. And when you start doing it, you start realizing, oh, that hurt. Let me change this up a bit. Oh, that hurt less. Let me try. And eventually, suddenly you've got it. And this just kind of has me thinking, well, aren't all things like this? I think we go through life kind of like kids standing at the edge of the pool. And it's like, I kind of I kind of want to learn to do that, but I'm not going to do it until I know that I can do it. Then, then I'll do it. And I think there's a disconnect in that way of thinking. Uh, it's like we have how things are and then the story we have of how we think things should be. And it fits into this. And I think we do this with a lot of things, right? Like uh, I see this often with marriages, for example, and relationships in general. It's like. I want to I want to dive in, but I just want to end up with someone when it's and and it's the right relationship and it'll always be nice and peachy and no fights and no unpleasant experiences. We're just going to love each other and that's it. And but we think that, right? And nobody wants to just learn to dive in to a relationship and encounter all the messy uncomfortable part of a relationship which is learning to live with another human being who doesn't think the same way you do that may not believe the same things that you believe but we don't want that we just want it to be pleasant in the same way that you know we if you're looking at this with the analogy of the pool i've done this where i I go to the pool i've done it here at my house and the kids are like let's go swim and i'm like well let me feel the water first (laughs) and i feel the water and i'm like it's a little too cold i don't want to jump in unless it's going to be nice and pleasant and, and they just jump in. And I thought, do you seriously not feel the cold? And then I realized it's not that it's not that they don't feel the cold. They do feel the cold because they'll even say, oh, it's cold. And then they'll just swim around until they warm up. But the point is what they wanted was to jump in. And what I wanted was to have a pleasant swim. So the jumping in was not something I was looking forward to. I, I My end goal was a pleasant temperature water when their end goal was to jump into the water. And that's had me thinking, how often do we do this in life with so many other things? And the art of diving in is learning to uh, recognize what Buddhism teaches is that the path itself is the goal, right? Like people want to uh, learn to meditate, for example, because their end goal is they want to have more peace in life. It's like, well, I'm not going to sit and meditate unless I know that I can get uh, a more peaceful life out of all of this. And this is trying to flip that on its head and say, no, you, the guarantee of the of a more peaceful life, well, you may not get that. But what you will get out of this is you'll learn to sit and meditate. So if we change the mentality and think, well, what I want is to learn to sit and meditate. Well, now that's going to be pleasant, regardless of what happens after, in the same way that if I want to sit to if I want to sit at the edge of the pool and my goal is to just jump in. Well, now the jumping in is the fun part, whether it's hot or cold. Once I hit the water, that's. That's secondary. And I love thinking about this in terms of life in general, because here we are in life. Suddenly you just are born out of no no fault of your own, right? You just came into existence and here I am and I'm alive and I'm experiencing life. But sometimes I have that attitude of, well, this is 
you know, there's life, but this isn't the life I want. I want the water to be more pleasant. I want it to be warm. So while I'm here existing, it's an unpleasant existence because it's not the existence that I want. And this is kind of trying to turn that mentality and say, well, if I understand that the point of this is that there is no point or I can make whatever point I want, then the existing alone is enough. It's like, oh, well, here I am. And this is that mindset that I've talked about before that goes from, um, turns us into thinking, I get to experience this. I get to experience this unpleasant moment. Or when I'm angry, wow, I get to experience anger. Or if I got really angry and I threw something, wow, I get to experience anger to the point where I lost control. And, oh, you know, so little by little, you start developing a greater understanding of yourself and what makes you do things and say certain things and act certain ways. And the point of all of it is the experience, the observation of the experience. And and this is where the irony comes in. The, the uh, outcome is there's a mellowing out because you become more comfortable with the discomfort. And suddenly the experience of having the experience, that is that is the treasure. And I don't know, there's so many ways to go around and talk about all of these concepts. And I feel sometimes like that's what I do. I just talk about the same similar things over and over. But I think that's that's important because sometimes we have to hear it this way and then that way. And then you hear it this other way. And then it's like, oh, okay, I think I'm understanding it. And that's what I've noticed for myself in my in my life as I go through experiencing all of it. It's like, wow, the point of the experience is all of it. I'm experiencing all of it. And I'm no longer chasing after only the pleasant moments. I'm no, no longer running away from the unpleasant moments because we still have them all. And I'm surprised sometimes when, when people will uh, talk to me and, and, and say things like, so do you only experience pleasant things, you know, now that you practice mindfulness so much or that you've had X amount of years meditating or, or, or things along those lines? And I always say, no, my favorite part of practicing mindfulness is the ability it's given me to just jump in and enjoy the fact of being alive. Uh, no specific goals or outcomes. It's just taking it all in and enjoying the, ex- the experience, even the unpleasant, run- unpleasant ones. And the truth is there are a lot of unpleasant ones. Going back to my my daughter real quick, she's gone through this phase of of like unlearning uh, her potty training, and I don't know what it is, but it's a frustrating experience. And when I'm here, you know, alone with her, and having to deal with the fact that now she just pooped her pants again, and I'm scrubbing that poop out of her pants, that is not a pleasant experience. It's not an experience where you sit there and say wow, this is so Zen-like. It's not like that. But here's the catch. And this is what I was explaining to my wife. My wife and I were talking about this. I said, the difference is uh, if if she loses her temper and says, ah, I can't believe here I am scrubbing poop out of these pants again. She's really mad at herself. And then afterwards, she's really mad at herself for having gotten so mad. And I said, that's the difference. For me, if I if I'm encountering that unpleasant moment and I'm like, seriously, Gigi, again, come on, what is it going to take? And I, and I say whatever I'd said, and I'm scrubbing the poop out because that's not fun. And in that moment, it's highly unpleasant. And I'm feeling strong emotions that are unpleasant emotions. As soon as that's over, it's over. And I, I can literally in five seconds be over it and look back to it and have compassion for the me of five seconds ago, because that me was having to scrub poop. Of course, that me was angry. Well, this me is not. This me five seconds later is happy again. 
thinking, wow, I get to scrub. I got to scrub poop. It might be harder to say it in the moment I get to, but I can say I got to. <laughs> and that's the difference. So there's, it, it's like allowing yourself to feel the emotions as they unfold and recognizing this is all part of the package. Nobody said that existence is a pleasant thing, but existence is is a unique thing. I I can hold space in that moment to recognize, wow, this is not fun. And at the same time, recognize, but it's more fun than not existing. At least I'm here. And because being here and having the ability to, to experience things as they unfold, to me, it's very unique. And I've talked about this, right, from past episodes that what makes that moment magical is the recognition that that moment is unique in space and in time, no matter how unpleasant it is, even if it means I'm standing at the sink scrubbing out poop and I, and I'm not enjoying it, that's still a unique moment. And granted, it's much more easy to recognize that as soon as you're done with that process in the moment, it can still be hard, but that's the difference. You can be in that moment and then let it ring for a long time after and, and make many more unpleasant ones after the, the pleasant one that you were in, or you can just experience the pleasant moment or the unpleasant moment while it's unpleasant and then, and then be done with it and, and still have a sense of, um, uh, I don't know what the word is. I don't know how to describe it very well. Like a sense of satisfaction for having experienced something so unpleasant. I don't know. I don't know if that's the right way to word that, but I hope you understand what I'm trying to get at with this is that the art of diving in to me for life is that you're jumping into life with all of it. Sometimes you jump in the water and that means now you're dealing with cold water that you were not really expecting Diving in could mean, you know what, I'm going to jump into this relationship and I don't know, you know, this, I, I, it may be filled with many days of unpleasant, uh, fighting with my, with my partner, but that's part of the relationship or parenting. I'm going to jump into this and recognize that there will be days that you're standing at the sink, scrubbing poop out of pants. That's part of the parenting experience. And with everything. Uh, I want this new job. Well, there are days I'm going to wake up and wish it was not Monday so I wouldn't have to go into work. It's just, that's fine. Um, now, if it's unpleasant long enough and there's something you can do about it, then I hope, I hope that you'll be skillful enough to recognize maybe, maybe it's time to, to do something different. Because this is something else that gets brought up a lot, this, this idea that, well, if I practice mindfulness too long, am I just going to become content and, um, and, and no longer have this, I, this desire to change things. I'm just going to put up with whatever life is throwing at me. And, and I would argue adamantly that the answer is no, you're not putting up with anything. The more you put, the more you practice this, the more skillful you become at recognizing what am I putting up with and what am I skillfully handling? Those are not the same things. And we shouldn't ever just be putting up with something. In fact, if you are, I would invite you to pause and and really start thinking and considering what am I putting up with in life because I don't need to be putting up with anything. I can actually dive in and and experience life to the fullest because experiencing life to the fullest entails the pleasant and the unpleasant. And if I've just been uh, putting up with something, a relationship or a job or whatever it is, you're not diving in. You're allowing yourself to stay in the stagnant, uncomfortable situation, perhaps because you fear a, a more uncomfortable scenario that could be even worse than this one. So 
the art of diving in is saying, this is, this is where I am. This is what I'm experiencing. How can I really pay attention and observe it and, and be with whatever it is I'm experiencing? And then, of course, the most important part of all of it is how do I skillfully act with whatever comes next? Because that's something you have to keep in the back of your mind with all of this is that nothing is stagnant. Everything is changing. And the moment I think, okay, well, this is what it is. I can get used to that. It all changes. And you're dealing with a new Tetris piece that showed up. So keep that in mind with the art of diving in. For me, again, I I feel like I'm, I'm grateful that I have encountered these concepts in my life at an age and at a stage of life where there's so much diving in to do. I, I can only imagine that I would have been looking back at some stages thinking, I wish I would have appreciated that stage more because during that stage, I just thought it was hell. And but but I'm not feeling that I might feel it for a fraction of a second during the moment when I'm scrubbing out poop for the nth time. Right. But but I get to look back on it rather quickly and say, one day I won't get to do that. I'll be dealing with something else. And again, I'm not trying to emphasize that what we need to do is put ourselves where we can appreciate everything and say, oh, this was pleasant. That's not at all what I'm saying. What I'm saying is the opposite. This will not always be pleasant, and that's okay because there's never been a problem with things that are unpleasant. The problem has been that we've been thinking we're supposed to arrive at a place where things finally become pleasant. That's the problem, and the truth is they're not. Sometimes life is pleasant. Sometimes life is not pleasant. Sometimes jumping into the pool is pleasant because the water is nice. Sometimes jumping into the pool is not pleasant because the water is too cold or too hot or too murky or too whatever. But the art of diving in is about diving in, not about what the pool is like. At least that's what my kids have taught me in the last few weeks. They just want to jump in. They just want to learn to dive. And, and, and I'm trying to extract out of their experiences something that I can relate to in my life as far as mindfulness practice and, and things that Buddhism teaches me. So that's the uh, that's what I the the topic I had for today. That's what I wanted to share with you. Again, I hope that makes sense. Uh, I know all of you who listen to this, you're all going through different things and different experiences, and you're in different circumstances, different ages, different cultural norms. Like we're all in different places, and that's that's what's important is to recognize that all of this is relevant to anyone in whatever situation you're going through. And that's all I have for this podcast episode for, for today. Uh, as always, thank you for listening. And if you want to support the work that I'm doing with the podcast, consider becoming a patron and joining our online community where we discuss these podcast episodes and discuss other things. Uh, you can learn more about that by visiting secularbuddhism.com. And if you enjoyed this podcast episode, feel free to share it with others, write a review, give it a rating in iTunes. And that's all I have for now. I look forward to recording another podcast episode soon. But before I go, I'm going to leave you with another Zen koan to work with for this week. So this one uh, starts with a monk asked Zhao Zhu to teach him. Zhao Zhu asked, have you eaten your meal? The monk replied, yes, I have. Then go wash your bowl, said Zhao Zhu. At that moment, the monk was enlightened. That's all I have for this podcast episode. Until next time.